It is Wednesday, February 16th, 2022. I'm James Briarton in Charlotte, and this is a big, massive virtual celebration of the Carolina Weather Group. It is episode 400. I can't believe it is episode 400. That doesn't count any of our specials, live storm coverage, crazy, insane. That's just 400 Wednesdays in a row that we've been here talking weather, science, technology, and more for the Carolinas. Above me, we got Scotty Powell. Next to him, we got Jared Smith, Evan Fisher, Shay Gibson, Frank Strait. I used to do weather in front of a key wall, and apparently I forgot how to invert which way I point. Joining us again, Candace Jordan is here. You saw her just earlier this month, and we said, Candace, we want to make tonight extra special, and we want to put you on the spot, and we want to turn the tables. Can you come on and just ask us whatever it is you want to ask about us here at the Carolina Weather Group? Because... That's what we're going to do tonight. We're just going to kind of peel back the curtains. I'm going to hang out like we're all friends. I would say nothing's off limits, but there are definitely things that are off limits. Yeah. <laughs> but like if you want, you know. It's like, you know, in math, like, you know, technically there's limits, but sometimes we just kind of. Right. <laughs> like within, within reason, internet. <laughs> and if you're if watching. If we ignore live, friction. Right. Certain rules do apply. And uh, if you're watching live on YouTube and Facebook and Twitter and Twitch tonight with us, then please use the comments to ask your own appropriate questions, and we will get to those shortly. Uh, and we're looking forward to most of those, probably not all of those. Uh, if you're listening on our audio podcast feed, then... We love you as well. And don't forget to reach back out to us later if you have any questions and we'll try to answer them. Um, Candace has a live studio audience with her tonight, which is awesome. No, we love that because this is this is a big friends and family type gathering. And um, Candace, that's enough talking for me. So I'm going to stop <laughs> hosting. I'll keep directing. And I told yeah. them I won't. I also said I won't be producing. So there'll be no time cues or anything tonight. So Perfect. Candace. The floor is yours. Thank you for doing this, by the way. You're welcome. And my live studio audience is my almost three-year-old and my four-and-a-half-year-old. So if you hear random noises, it's just my life in a nutshell. There may all be right, noises so, from down my hall, so it's all good. So we're going to do first question, hot seat kind of rapid-fire question. What is your favorite type of weather? Go. I've got snow <laughs> on the mind. But I'm going to say snow. I'm going to say snow because it's fun and not dangerous. Evan Fisher. Yeah. I mean, that's that's an easy one for me. It's going to have to be high wind. Uh, I feel like that's kind of become my thing over the last year. So anything over 100 miles an hour, I'm there. Uh, Jay. Boy, tough call here because I tell you what, I'm all about sea breeze structure along the coastline. That's really what I would love to study. But I am also really, really heavy into tropical cyclone studies. I want to say snow, but I also enjoy watching a good thunderstorm. So I'm going to combine the two and put thunder snow. Afternoon thunderstorms in the summer. Sunny in 72 because I'm lazy. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds wonderful. That does sound good. That is awesome. I would say like thunderstorms rank up there with me. And then I absolutely adore atmospheric optics so like Ooh. sun dogs halos fire rainbows circumzenithal arcs like that's my jam there 
Uh, we, we didn't even get, I mean, you bring up cloud types. I mean, that's like some of the funnest stuff right there. I love okay. like cloud types. Oh my gosh, love it. Exactly. Okay, so let's start out. We're talking about show 400. So out of the 400 episodes, well, I guess 399 episodes, which one has been your favorite or which one has been the most uh, memorable for you guys? So I'm going to, I'll start this one first. Uh, This is one that we did way back when Uh, we had Mark Prater on talking about the uh, April 27th, 2011 tornado outbreak in Alabama. And uh, that was the first time I ever seen a guest actually get emotional on our show and uh, just recalling what, what happened that day. So um, that one really has stuck with me a lot um, is that show. Evan. Yeah. So sorry, I didn't see I popped up. I was looking for the name of the interviewer or interviewee. So my one of my favorite shows, most informative, actually, in my opinion, was a show we did with Emily. Let me get this last name right. Emily Linhart uh, and, and one of her associates uh, about words of estimative probability. Uh, and it was all about how we communicate the weather to the public. Uh, we've done I mean, so many shows. All of them are excellent. But that one in particular stuck out to me as something that I could directly apply to my everyday life and my forecasts uh, that go out to the public. Shay's thinking real hard. I'll go. Yeah, I'll go next. Uh, I'll tell you, we've had so many amazing guests on this show. There's so many you could just pick from probably 200, some of the top, top shows that we've had easily. But um, I'll go with one of the more educative shows that we've had that I feel was really educative and something that we're battling along the coast is coastal resiliency to, to sea level rise and flooding. And so we had Doug Marcy from NOAA uh, Digital Services Center here in Charleston, where I live. Um, and I got to meet with him in person and, and just, you know, tell him I'd like to have him on the show. And he, he agreed to come on. He had a whole presentation ready. And he went through the SLR viewer and explained all the science, all the details and everything behind it, where it was like no bias. It was just there. Like, um, you know, the occurrences are, are happening even with sunshine and all, you know, all the factors that go into it. And just really kind of, um, really, I guess, solidified my position on it and how I convey messages to the public as well. Um, because when you're talking to no individuals like that, you're, you're not, you're getting non-biased information. So I really, I really enjoyed that show a lot. And he came back on with us um, a couple years later to reaffirm what, what we already knew, Jared, right? We're seeing more and more of it. So mm-hmm. yeah, man, that was my favorite. Yeah, um, that was great. I, I, you know, I'm going to, point to i'm going to show my recency bias here and and i really think the last show that we did with jim cantori rounding out 2021 just some exceptional ground covered on that one and and just i i urge you if you haven't seen it watch it there's really 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 interesting uh insights from i mean from you know the face of the weather channel happy birthday to him by the way today is uh jim cantori's birthday so um so I figured, you know, let's let, let's uh, mention the birthday boy a little bit. But yeah, it's it, that one. That one was great. I mean, we've had so many good ones. Span was awesome. Um, God, I mean, just so many. Just we've learned so much across 399 episodes. Oh, my turn now. <laughs> um, you know, I was just thinking that probably the the most memorable episode is probably the one we all like least, but uh, I won't go into details on that, but I will say that <laughs> I think between <laughs> between the two 
<laughs> my favorite Remember, Frank, one. Certain things are off limits tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I realize that. Um, I think my there are two that I would have to mention as being my most favorite. Uh, one would be the one we had Richard Neal from Frying Pan Tower. I think that was a great show. Oh, yeah. Um, and a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And and the other would, would also be the uh, Jim Cantori interview that we just had. Uh, that, it's always great when we have Jim on it. He has a lot of great insight, and, and he's fun and also attracts a lot of people. <laughs> I want to know what blackmail Shay Gibson has on Jim Cantori that he gets him to show up year after year. I mean, we love having him on, but I think you've got something on him. I'm going to say Dave Malkoff, keeping with the Weather Channel theme. And it's been several years, but it was one of the first shows I did after Scotty invited me on. And I thought, wow, these guys are really cool. And then I don't know what happened after that. (laughs) (laughs) We suckered you in and then big disappointment, huh? There's a lot of cool tech in that show. We don't. We get to talk a lot of weather. You got the radio. You got to geek out about radio stuff. I mean, I I think that's probably what stands out in my brain. Yeah, that was I, had to do, I, had right to, I had to share uh, this for Jim Cantori's birthday, so I don't know if the restream can pick it up. But yeah, we, we had to give him a uh, a, <laughs> a good shout out <laughs> for his. So I I couldn't resist on that one. Yeah. I mean, we um, we had when we had him on the show, frankly, I even that, we all got a question to ask him anything we wanted, and that was one. How enjoyable was that? <laughs> yeah, he was mad. He missed. all right so i'm gonna kind of go we're gonna do these things called lightning rounds okay all right so your favorite color go blue purple i better just put the boxes like this if we're gonna do lightning rounds red (laughs) black green sky blue Oh boy! Sky blue. Nice, good choice. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Sky blue is good. We'll go with that one. All right. So, where where do you guys hail from? So we're talking like Carolina Weather Group. Where where on the Carolinas does everybody hail from? Start with Evan. Yeah, sure. So I'm Carolina born and raised. Uh, born in Charlotte, lived in the general Charlotte area around Lake Norman for. Uh, the first 13 years of my life. And then I've been in Asheville for the most part since I was uh, 13 uh, with a two year stint in Charleston. Uh, the only time in my life I've been in South Carolina for some college. Uh, and then I smarted up and came back to the mountains. because I just couldn't, couldn't stay away. Sorry, Jared. I know you missed Oh me. no, 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 no. It's all good, man. No, it's good. Um, you know, so, so I, I guess I would technically be a bit of a carpet bagger because I was born in San Diego, moved around a bunch. And the last place I lived was in the Northeast before I moved down here, uh, full time. Um, but I've been here a vast majority of my life. I mean, I've, you know, did school here, did, you know, all the things right here in Charleston. Um, or if you want to be specific goose Creek about 21 miles up the road, um, you know, so, you know, home of the, uh, the key, uh, for those of you who are local to us, the key dealership that says Goose Creek, you know, that, that, that place. So, um, <laughs> Do that <but> again. Yeah. <laughs> Goose <laughs> Creek. You gotta, I have to go, I have to get off of the mic to do that. Um, but, uh, but like yeah, Goose you know, Creek, just a halt down the road. Exactly. Stokes Kia, Goose Creek. Yeah. They don't sponsor us. So I really shouldn't say that, but <laughs> all that being said, um, yeah, I mean, this is. Uh, I've tried to leave here a couple times. I can't do it. it it's just there's 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 an attraction here. Um, you know, th- this you know, traffic nightmares and everything. Traffic nightmares, flooding, what have you. It 
all of the warts that make uh, a place a home. And uh, this is, uh, I've been very fortunate to be here and to watch this place just absolutely, you know, grow almost unrecognizably, which has its good days and its bad. Yeah, I'm with Jared. I, I grew up here in Charleston, so I'm, I'm, I hail out, out of here. So I grew up uh, watching folks like Rob Fowler, Bill Walsh, and now I'm part of their team. And, and we all, and Jared as well, we all are a weather team here in Charleston and, and with the weather service and all. So I love it. And, and it was it was a destination city far beyond, I'm sorry, way b- like back before it was named a destination city. So um, it's always been a treat to come back to whenever you go on vacation because shoot, it's beautiful here. It really is. Even, even through all the, the growth and development and all the craziness and the sprawl, it's still when you get out on the water and go out and do things out on the ocean, it's just absolutely gorgeous. So, uh, I, Frank, go ahead. Well, I'll let, uh, you, com- I am- I'll let you finish out the South Carolina contingency. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. I'm South Carolina guy, born and raised. I grew up in Rock Hill. Um, and, uh, from there spent a little bit of time in Columbia starting college and a family. Um, after that, uh, Asheville for five years. That's where I went to uh, went to school and got my degree from UNC Asheville. Uh, after that, 20 years up north in State College, PA, working for AccuWeather. Uh, then uh, back down south after a downsizing and a uh, little bit of time with my parents. And now I live in Columbia and uh, back home in South Carolina and uh, thrilled to be here uh, working for the South Carolina Department of Natural Resources in the State Climatology Office. So I live in Morgan's in North Carolina, uh, the foothills. If you don't know where Morgan's is at, it's between Asheville and Charlotte, kind of the foothills, the Blue Ridge Mountains. Uh, spent a couple summers in Myrtle Beach, some time up in Boone at Appalachian. So uh, Western North Carolina person all the way around. And um, that's, that's where I'm from. I'm a Yankee born and raised, although I never would have used that term until I moved south because I'm a Mets fan. Long Island to Georgia to Charlotte in 2014 and came on the show first as a guest after that, working at a television station that has changed names 18 times and uh, <laughs> been, <laughs> been been here for, uh, Scotty, help me out, six years, six years. Yeah. Wow. Man. I know, right? <laughs> I had hair when this started, so okay. But I still call I still call sandwiches heroes and not hoagies. And now you have a light bright in the background with a lit yeah. up computer. Yeah, that's New York City subway, by the way. Like uh, <laughs> here's Manhattan, and here's Staten Island, and Queens, and Brooklyn, and yeah, that's that's what that is. I keep looking at that. I don't know why. I'm just like, what? Because it's distracting. World? That's probably it's mesmerizing. <laughs> that's a hole in the wall, literally. And uh, that's radio spectrum. So there you go. Nice. I am also Carolina, born and raised, grew up in Lincoln County. So woohoo. And uh, went to school at UNCA. So yeah, go Bulldogs. And then I went to school at Western for a little bit. I went to school at ECU a little bit. I uh, worked in Greenville, North Carolina. Uh, the only time I've really been out of the Carolinas is my, like, four-month stint in Bowling Green, Kentucky. And I'm just a Carolina girl, let's just say that. <laughs> and I am also a Mets fan as well. I really, really love meteorologists. <laughs> oh! <laughs> 
<laughs> one of one of those Mets win, and one of those Mets do not. Yeah. And one of those Mets can be wrong half of the time and still get paid. Oh, Are we still talking here baseball? We go. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they do play five yeah, James, you nailed it. Time. You got the right net. You can still be paid. Yeah, I think oh, I, I think Lord. it works for both. It does work. Oh. All right. What? All right. Yeah. So let's let's see here. So, what is your favorite type of precipitation? Rain, snow, sleet, or hail? Go. Ooh, snow, uh, all the way. I can be quick about it. snow. There's no question about it. I went to Frank only because the cat was there. I guess it's hail. Nice. <laughs> as long as it's not too big. Grapple. Oh, is that a choice? Oh, I wish I would have thought of that. Grapple is a choice, <laughs> and it's a darn good one. <laughs> Jared went. He went hybrid. See, I was going to say ash, right? But that's not. You can't count that. Um, yeah, <laughs> snow for me. Snow for sure. I'll also say snow. Ash I will go the hail route. Yeah. yeah. Actually, <laughs> hail is also as good a choice as grapple because most hail stones actually. <clears throat> excuse me. Start with grapple. You don't have to be so emotional. <laughs> I know. Let's drink. Have a drink of beer. Yeah. I, I will never forget the first time I got grappled Problem on. Solved. Is there a story there, Jared? Well, yeah. I mean, I was driving around. DuPont I know. I was like, Circle. yeah. I was. I was driving around Dupont Circle in Washington D.C. and uh, all of a sudden, a bunch of ice started falling on the. And, and it was like, okay, are you serious? Is this really happening right now? Because it, you're driving in Washington, D.C. Okay, first of all, already a bad idea. Second of all, and then it starts, you know, groppling on me. And so I'm sending tweets to Sterling. I was like, hey, guys, uh, Washington's doing something fi kind of funny right now. Um, you know, there's a you know, bunch of ice and grapple falling here. So you all have fun with that. I was like windshield wiping grapple off of the thing. It was like somebody dumped, you know, like ice, like, like, my car had won the Super Bowl, except not. We had one day at work at the day job where everyone was like, it's snowing, it's hailing. And I'm like, no, it's grappling. And they're just like, what? Huh? I was like, I'm, I know, I'm a buzzkill. Like the word oh, grappling. So I'm, right, sure, so I'm sure, sure a lot of jujitsu folks out there like that word too. <laughs> so speaking of like grappling, because this is something we encounter as meteorologists a lot. Like what is something that you, oh yes, there's juice. Hello, right on time. <laughs> Uh, so what is like one thing that you will say as a meteorologist and like you just say it in normal conversation and then like people around you are just like, what? Yeah. Mm. Cad. So, tell me your one, your one <laughs> thing that. Cad or wedge, the wedge, the cad. Yes. Ding, 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 ding. Like, what is that? And then you have to go and tell them. I, I got one that came up recently. The the zones, the regions, like Piedmont. Like we say that assuming people know where Piedmont is. I'm going to have to, to uh ask for Candace to repeat the question because I had to step away and save an, a ten ninety-nine INT form from my cat who's trying to eat. <laughs> <laughs> so please go again, Candace. Important things. <laughs> what I was saying is like as meteorologists, we we have so much like jargon and lingo on our own, and like we just spout it out sometimes, not realizing it. Like, what is something that you've said, and then like you get some really strange looks from people? 
Oh, it's definitely differential positive autistic infection. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Everyday right. conversation lingo right there. Yeah. <laughs> right. No, uh, actually, I think it's, I, I was kind of thinking the same thing as James there as, as the regions, because uh, especially even in South Carolina, you know, we, we have several different regions in uh, the upstate, Midlands, Central Savannah River area, Low Country, PD, and not everybody realizes what what region of the state they're in, and it applies to regions of the country too. Like, how do you define the mid-Atlantic? How do you define the southeast? How do you define southern plains? And I mean, it, when it comes to South Carolina, even you you ask someone from Yorkchester and Lancaster counties which region they're in. Are you in the Midlands or are you in the Upstate? And they say half of the, well, a, a fourth of them say one, a fourth of them say the other, and half say neither one. So, I, in my opinion, those three counties should be their own region for everyone to get confused about. So I, I think James has a very good point there. Thanks, Frank. <laughs> I'd say folks are always asking me, what's it going to do to Mars? Is it going to storm? And, and I constantly am, am like, well, this is really hard, especially in the warmer months, right? Because um, I constantly find myself, well, it depends on how far inland the, the Seabreeze front penetrates. And they're kind of like, whoa, <laughs> I wasn't asking. <laughs> like I get into this spiel about the Seabreeze front and, and where it might end up and that's going to be the storm line, right? Like it's, it's so hard to just, tell people it may rain, rain in your front yard, but not your backyard. Right. It's, it's so difficult. You know, I just, I say, I'm not, I, you know, it's hard to say if you're a little further inland, you probably see more but closer to the coast, you may see less. And then they come up with the whole 50 part, you know, you can be 50% wrong. And I'm like, well, that's not really how it works. But um, I'd say I get wrapped up into that a lot where they start talking about wind directions and things and people just kind of tune out. So, yep. Yeah. Guilty. <laughs> I think I've got two. Uh, one of them would be undercast. And everyone's familiar with overcast, but I use undercast in casual conversation a lot. And it just makes people confused. Even It's like, so you're I think I'm confused. Yeah. It's, it's confusing. There's clouds under you. Um, but people are like, what, what? What are you talking about? That's, that's ridiculous. So that's one. Uh, the other one is probably orographic lift. I know that doesn't sound like something that would work into everyday conversation, but that is everyday life up here. And it just, A, it's confusing and B, sounds a little dirty to the untrained ear. Um, so I just generally stay away from, from that. Is that everybody? No. I think so. Jared. I was going to say mine. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Any, um, any uh, meteorological uh, phrase with the word moist in it? <laughs> deep moist convergence is a personal favorite um that one really that that one really gets everybody uh makes everybody pay attention it's like yeah it's, you know you know there's a lot of moisture converging and, and you know the, the the column is 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 very wet and then and then i just and then i just go down a rabbit hole of double entendres so yeah anything with the word moist it's a really great way to scare or you know you, you separate the wheat from the chaff i feel like I, I feel like that the weather services entrance exam, if there is such a thing, uh, should should be like uh, they should put you in a room, lock you in a room, and say with the word moist around you. And if you can survive that, you can write an AFD. <laughs> there are a lot of moist columns in the low country, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's true. Uh, yeah, I mean, we had moist on shore flow today. Yeah, moist horizontal advection. I will. Mm-hmm. I was like, I have three that I deal with a lot. So like one, I would say is just the word convective. A lot of people don't know what that means because it like, comes from convection. 
like heat rising, but that doesn't like always click sometimes. So I talk about how like cumulus clouds are convective clouds. Um, so that's what I always have to kind of explain. Uh, warm nose in the winter. When we talk about the warm nose, oh, like uh, that one is one that I feel like we have to explain a lot, um, especially around, you know, the Carolinas because it's always an issue. And then um, this one time I was with my coworkers and we were talking about atmospheric rivers and I was like, oh yeah, the pineapple express. And they were like, <laughs> what? And then of course, like they referencing like the movie and I'm like, no. no. Yeah, the <laughs> movie or you're supposed to live in Hawaii River. to have that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a right. good one. I haven't heard that so, one yet. Yeah. So good stuff. But yeah, like I just feel like we use jargon a lot and yeah. it's funny to like get those perceptions from people who don't necessarily understand the jargon as a non-sports person when, when regular people use any sort of sports jargon i get very confused <laughs> yes yeah not a fan I think of sports that's the fun part too, um... <laughs> no, no sports <laughs> like for me. working at the steel i was gonna say working at the show museum like and teaching weather to second and fifth graders a lot of the day. Like I have learned how to really like tone down a lot of the jargon and it's like using very simple words to explain things, but it's, it's a lot of fun. That's also your broadcast training. I think it's like, what is the general public yeah, going to comprehend about this? But Candace, how are true. the kids going that's to true. learn about differential positive vorticity advection? <laughs> Okay, so the atmosphere spins in different <laughs> ways. Sometimes a little stronger, sometimes a little weaker. Uh, I like <laughs> it. No, but like we do break down things like uh, like a hurricane. Like it's really mm -hmm. hard to explain like the intricacies of a hurricane to a second grader and especially do it in like two minutes. So what I, I end up doing is because they're usually coming in classrooms, I tell them that a hurricane is just like a classroom. It's a collection of thunderstorms that are moving around together. Um, you can take an individual student out and that would be like an individual thunderstorm. But when you put them all together and they all do things that the teacher is saying, you've got a hurricane. And <laughs> we just kind of leave it at that. Then they all it start works. running in a circle. You know. That's not a bad analogy. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And you definitely have to keep an eye on <laughs> but, them. Just leave them on their own yeah, long enough. Do. It gets warm in there and the Coriolis effect just takes over and mm -hmm. they just start swirling yeah. and destroying everything. That, and I think... Mm -hmm. <laughs> one to tell kids is high and low pressure mm. so like yeah. trying to get the kids to understand like what's the difference between high and low pressure um so i tell them i'm like okay we're gonna put everybody in this room on a football field will you have room to run around and they're like yeah i'm like awesome i was like so do you think your pressure is high or low and they're like no low and then okay go find it go look he can't. <laughs> uh, anyways, so high pressure. I tell the kids, I'm like, now let's pretend we put everybody in this room in a closet. I was like, you're going to have room to run around. They're like, no. And I'm like, our tension's going to get high. And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, that's high pressure. That's high pressure. So like, that's one way I use it. Like just using relatable things for people, I think is, is the easiest thing to do. That's pretty good. Yeah, that is pretty good. I mean, I yeah. wouldn't even... Gosh, it's like you start talking about clockwise and counterclockwise, and boy, are they learning that now. I mean, how do they know that's one? So it's interesting. <laughs> but my watch doesn't move. <laughs> so uh, 
time I had, I was at a preschool. And a preschooler asked me, how does radar work? Wow. wow. So, so, of course, like, I'm on the spot. This is, like, back when I was on TV. And I was like, oh, I was like, well, great. Let's talk about it. So I got two kids up there. And I put them, like, you know, like, 10 feet apart. And I told the one kid, I was like, okay, I want you to go tell that other kid the number three. All right. And so, like, this kid comes up and travels. And it was like they played the telephone game and told the number three and brought it back and told me the number. And I was like, that's what a radar does. It goes out in the atmosphere. It looks at whatever's there. And then it comes back and it tells us. And I was like, and that is my preschool version of a radar. <laughs> I, I give it four and a half stars out of five. That was pretty good. Yeah. Thank you. I like it. Thank you. I appreciate it. You know, we left out a little bit of the nuances there. You know. I think it got most of it. Exactly. It would have been much better if I had like one of the dogs. You know, like cones of shame. Ooh. That would have been like, you know, we don't really hear anything right here. Yeah. <laughs> like too close, can't see. Also too high. Okay. Too low. So what is a lightning round again? So okay. here we're going to do a lightning round. So what is your guy's favorite weather movie? Oh. Oh, no. Twister. Twister. That's easy. So original, guys. All the other weather movies didn't suck. I mean, it's sort of like you know the it's it's you know there's a you know it's almost like the point break of weather. But there was some really cool concepts in that movie, and they used the NSSL for instance, and they had some real good instrumentation and some radar equipment, and they really kind of spawned a whole generation of meteorologists, and and you know they really and storm chasers, so. It really kicked off something really neat and unique. And lots of Van Halen. It, it was so good that we <laughs> hope no one ever does it again because there's already more meteorologists than there are weather jobs. So we don't want them to inspire anymore because we need a job. Frank, you, Frank, you have a job now. It's okay. <laughs> I'm not the only person who has that issue or has had that mm -hmm. issue. Recently, if Hollywood tries to remake Twister, I just, I, I just can't. I hear there's talks of it though. Oh, there's please, talk of no. it. Yeah, I heard there's talks. Can we? No. Can we please the honor? The effects Bill were pretty good back then, but imagine how great they'd be now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just say, can we honor Bill Paxton's memory and just leave it alone? Like, you know, it's like. I don't know. I don't know how you would do Twister again. Would you bring back Helen Hunt? Because you know how all these movies, you know, they bring back some of the older actors and and for fan service, and then they try to introduce new people to you. Well, Jared, if you, I mean, look at Luke Skywalker and Boba Fett. Right. You know, I mean, hey, that technology is now. You can put mm -hmm. you know your face on someone else mm -hmm. twenty years from now and still be you. Mm -hmm. So I don't and know. I mean, and that's doable. a very frightening. And that's a very frightening prospect. Um, I don't think anybody would want that. I, in fact, I could probably crash a computer. It's like, oh, Jared's face that yeah. MP4. <laughs> Stop error. Yeah, hopefully, if they do something with Twister, it'll be more like a, a sequel than a, mm -hmm. an actual remake. Because I, yeah. I, I wouldn't want them to remake mm -hmm. Twister, not without no. you know the, the a lot of the original cast oh, still yeah. involved. And yeah, no Bill Paxton. Yeah, and I feel like no Philip Seymour Hoffman. Well, I feel like, you know, if they remake it, like, incorporate, like, updated technology and, like, what we've got going on and such. But I think also because of the age that we're in, I feel like there needs to be 
a definite like positive reinforcement of like when tornado warnings are issued, please actually do something. That's true. Anything that kind of pulls you know, that but, back into public awareness. So there was a new exactly, there's a new movie there's a new movie that come out um just recently that actually has a PSA about it. I need to Google the name of it, but it came out in November. And, is it the uh, one that was all over Twitter there for a little bit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I, I watched that. I mean, the, the quality was a little shaky, but the messaging was really good. I mean, it, it talks about where you needed to go during tornadoes and safe places and things like that. So um, it didn't get a lot of attention. It didn't have any big-name stars in it, but uh, it was it was good. The PSA in that was, was good hmm. with that movie. Hmm. Not to take, like, a dark turn here, but have you guys seen the movie uh, Don't Look Up? Mm-hmm. It's the one about like the comet, yeah. Apparently going to hit Earth. Um, I feel like that one, like watching that one as a meteorologist and as someone who studies astronomy now, I'm kind of like it was scary of how real I felt people reacted and how like politics and all that stuff came into play. And like it makes me think, like you know, what if like the a big weather event does happen? You know, like how are people going to react and take things? So I, I think there was a lot of really, really neat messaging in there, like beyond just like a comment. You know? I feel, I feel like I've pulled Hitting away Earth. from a lot of media like that the past two years. My brain is so taxed out that all I want is like dumb comedies. So maybe I'll come back around to that one. Sharknado. <laughs> Yeah, I don't like it. Not that yeah, there it is. There it is. That's not, my weather not movie. That no, yeah. no. I, I didn't hear it. Is. Yeah. Oh, you can meet uh, Ian Ziering with a with, with a uh, with a with a chainsaw. You know, and the shark hey. coming in. I mean, that. Oh, how did I forget that? Jared, oh. it's all about air dynamics and atmospheric dynamics at this point with sharks, right? You know, right. How, the size, the shape. Come on, yeah. they precipitate exactly. differently, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and, and right. You gotta use bombs to block the tornadoes. I roll. I mean. <laughs> All right, so I got another question for you guys. So what is one thing that you've learned in your careers, no matter how long or short they may be, about weather? Um, so it can be like a really cool fact. It could be something like you've learned about your local region. Just what's something like really cool about weather that you just like to share with people? Oh, Evan's hand went up. Yeah, sorry. Um, I thought I was stumped, but then I wasn't. I, I, I think one of the most fascinating parts about uh, local weather, at least for me here in the Carolinas, is that we have – our own mountain, grandfather mountain. I don't know. Gosh, I'm already laughing because I say this way too often. We have a mountain uh, northwest North Carolina called Grandfather Mountain, and it has extreme winds, far more than uh, anyone really realizes. You know, we talk about Mount Washington as the windiest place on the East Coast, uh, and, and it is really the windiest place in, in North America. Uh, but Grandfather Mountain, just here in North Carolina, that so many people visit each year, could actually give Mount Washington a run for its money uh, during some of its biggest events. It's it's no, it's not consistent like Washington, um, but it's super cool and very undiscovered, especially the, the upper limit. How high it could actually go is still yet to be determined. Uh, we know it's extreme. So I go on that tirade all the time. Uh, it can be a little annoying for my friends. Haha. <laughs> On the spot. <laughs> Were you ready? Theme playing on Scotty. <laughs> no, I, I I'm trying to think. I'm still trying to think. Yeah. I guess right. I'll go. Well, go go ahead, James. I can think about mine if, you, if you're ready. Do yours. I'm I'm ready. Um, I was gonna say social science. I love everything that the weather industry has been about in the last couple of years to simplify hazards and the way things are getting communicated, and not to get political by any means. But I think the public health sphere 
now finds itself in that same boat that weather found itself in a couple years ago where they're realizing we could be really smart, really factual, but if we don't communicate it in a constant, clear way, it creates a lot of confusion. So I'm going to say social science. Jared. Never underestimate the wedge. Mm. Bingo. That Bingo. Never, ever, ever underestimate the wedge. And do not trust what a model says when the wedge is going to erode. That's true. Never, ever, ever. I think I learned I that think, the hard way when I got here. I yeah. think you just took we all we, we all <laughs> learn it the hard way. Yep. And, and and to add to that, that's that's one of my you know when we talk about uh, one thing I've learned a lot about weather is about seabreeze structure, whether it be circulations or oscillations. So you have a difference there, in which direction the wind is coming from, what type of uh, air sector you're in. Uh, the wedge here for the coast doesn't necessarily mean CAD. It can mean an ex a huge explosion of, of uh, pressure gradient speeds that occurs right as the winds turn on shore. You have that relationship between land and sea. And once you start it up from the east, northeast along our coast for our, our degree of angle, boy, it can really explode. It can go from seven knots to 35 knots within a five or 10 minute period of time. And that's a straight wind that's not going to stop. It's not a storm wind delayed either. Um, and then from the, you know, the southerly winds or the south-southwesterly winds, those are fascinating as well as circulation. So, um, and all the different kinds of sea breezes, there's more than just those two. And just understanding the relationship, again, land and sea. And now we have sensors along the immediate coastline that can gauge the winds. And, and so you can kind of see in real time what's going on when the sea breeze comes ashore and how to gauge that and, and the strength of what it's gonna be for the day. Not to mention it does help create water spouts in the mornings too, early mornings. So there's, it's just fascinating. There's all kinds of little, you know, I've learned so much and from our sensor data too. Um, it's just, Jared, you're right. Never underestimate the wedge, whether inland or along the coastline. Mm -hmm. That wedge, man, I'll tell you what, that, that, that sensor network is invaluable too, because like you can have, you can have just a little bit of warm air poke on shore and that can be the difference between a stable day and a severe weather day. It, it doesn't take, it doesn't take much, um, especially when you have that uh, coastal front there it's a uh, oh man there's something about the coast it's just really yeah i do appreciate yeah. learning about the coast from you guys and the mountains as somebody who lives in neither one of those mm -hmm. areas i'm gonna go to frank so scotty can keep brainstorming oh i was hoping to go last but that's so okay. say your question say your question one more time let me let me because jared had my answer so i want to want to hear it one more time sorry scotty you're fine Cool. Candace, right, what was your so question? The question was, yeah, so the question was, like, what is one, like, weather fact or just something, like, you always like to share about weather? You know, whether it be, like, a specific fact or something you've learned from your area, just something that you always like to share. Okay. I, I've got a second one. Okay. You want me to go ahead and go? Go ahead. All right. Mine is your weather app sucks. Yeah. That's my. <laughs> I almost that's, spit that coke out. <laughs> yeah, that's that's uh, that's what I tell people. I like they're telling me it's gonna rain or snow, and I'm like, no, that's not how it works out. I love to explain. Like this is great for, you know, just looking outside, getting your current observations. But the stuff that goes into your weather apps changes every six hours. As we get new data in, 
it changes. And there's no one in this phone right here that is actually putting hum human input into what the, the data is spitting out. And so, you know, like today, uh, the temperature was forecasted to be like 64, 65, where, where I live. We ended up at like 54 because we were catted in, you know, the, the CAD really, the wedge really built in until late in the afternoon and everybody thought, oh, it was, it was going to be a, a warm day and, you know, it wasn't. So it, it's all about, it's all about using this as, as a tool to kind of see what's going on currently, but always go back to your, you know, your favorite TV station, a local trusted weather source, the National Weather Service. Uh, there's so many places that you can get a great forecast from. Just don't rely on, on your app. And it's so funny. I was actually watching TV this weekend. I didn't realize that there was a weather app and I, I won't mention their name. They're actually doing commercials now on TV about how you should download their app. And I'm like, that's interesting. So, um, but yeah, I love I love trying to dispel the rumor that your your weather app's the gospel because it's really not. I mean, it's great to give you the currents and it's great to alert you of warnings and and watches, but that's that's about it. So there you go, Frank. Frank. The main thing that the weather has taught me, and this will fit in with I think everything everyone else has said, is that the weather has taught me humility sure. and how mm -hmm. to accept the fact that every now and then. The weather is going to hand your at sign, dollar sign, dollar sign to you, <laughs> and you have to learn to accept that with grace. If you're going to be an arrogant, you know what? You're not going to do well in this business because the weather will hand your rear end to you, and you have to learn some humility to deal with that. That is exactly right. Ryan Vaughn has the best has the best way to put this. Uh, he's in, um, in Jonesboro, Arkansas. For those of you who don't know, he's a, he's a really good broadcast meteorologist. Um, he says, uh, we forecast and God laughs. And, 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 and in fact, today was a really good example of that. We were thinking 68 and mostly rain free and it rained all day. It didn't get above 60. So there you go. I mean, we just happens to the best of us and yeah, it, the weather is humbling and that yeah. is, Amen. Amen to that. Especially yeah. here in the old... Carolinas. Because there's there's always that degree. Candace was talking about the warm nose in the wintertime. You know, that degree or two that's warmer above us five, six thousand feet off the ground can do a lot of a lot of craziness to a forecast. And the cat or, or cloud cover can really kill a severe weather forecast. And it's not as clear cut here in the Carolinas as it is in mm -hmm. some some other locations. So it definitely humbles you here in the Carolinas. Yeah, I like James Spann. Just today, he he likes to. I like James Spann. He's he's real good at how he handles. He's, it's, not only does it come with busting a forecast, or like you said, Frank, handing it to you, um, it's how you deal with the fallout. Some of the people they get really angry at you about mm -hmm. things, and you have to. Even in the sailing industry, I get you know folks sometimes they just boy they want to let me have it, and I'm like, well, you have to learn how to deal with that and move on without it, you know you know, crushing you. So, mm -hmm. yeah. You have to learn to let some things roll off. And I feel back. like, and I feel like that's a skill that I learned as a broadcast meteorologist that I'm still using today is like, you know, when you're trying to explain something, you know, like a very complicated forecast, I was over in Eastern North Carolina. So, I mean, it would be like, we're dealing with snow up in like Edgecombe County. And then we've got potential for severe weather in Carteret County. You know, and it's just, and it's all happening in 24 hours. And I think the the biggest thing was, you know, not only like just conveying like, here's what's going to happen, but it's like, here's what's going to happen. But here are some things that I'm kind of watching. And if this happens 
we may bust it. Like, if this happens, it may amp it up. Like, I think just being really transparent with, like, you know, here's here's what we think, but here are some things to consider. And I think that helps people because then it's like, okay, if we bust a forecast, well, hey, like, there was that potential that she talked about. They're not as angry. The people. move to probabilities... <laughs> both in just our communication, but also the genesis of the forecast and the move to the real, like the wholesale embrace of ensembles over deterministic guidance really, really helps. It's not perfect. We're still going to get it wrong every once in a while, but man, has that made things so much better. Well, I promised I wouldn't Definitely. produce, but I want to make sure we give Candace our thanks and praise because I know she's got to peel out here in a minute. Not that I'm kicking her out. We never kick anybody out, but I know she's got to yeah. hop off. So thank you for taking us uh, through that, Candace, and turning the tables back on us. It's it's a fun little experience that we get to, uh, to do um, not frequently here. So thank you for doing that. You're most welcome. And let's see, I'm going to ask one more question before sure. I have to get off here. Okay, so by all let's means. Let's see. I got to think of something like really hard. Let's see. <laughs> Give me your most mind blowing weather fact. Like if you could just walk up to somebody on the street and give them like a one sentence, like, boom, what would it be? Ooh. Welcome to my <laughs> line of work. <laughs> we all just failed. Mind blowing weather fact. I think it would have to be that there are two places in South Carolina. Carolina that have seen two feet of snow from a snowstorm. Mm. Caesar's head is not terribly surprising because uh, it's thousand feet in elevation. The other is Rimini, which is actually east of Columbia. In the nineteen seventy three wow. storm, there was twenty four inches of snow there. Classic. And it happened in less than twenty four hours. Wow. That, that conflicts with my fun fact, which was going to be it never snows south of eighty five. <laughs> 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 yeah, it does. <laughs> it, my weather, my weather fact is uh, not on Earth. Jovian winds, where winds can be in excess of five hundred miles per hour on Jupiter. Well, way to think outside the you scope. Can take that up to twelve hundred. You can take that up to twelve hundred on Neptune. Good point. And on H, it's like HD one three three B. The winds are close to uh, five thousand miles an hour. Good Lord, is that another I only know this because I wrote a show called Weather on Other Planets, so there you is go. That, is, that, is that HP? Is that another gas giant? It's a very large uh, exoplanet. Wow. That's, wow. Yes. <laughs> That's just insane. <laughs> it rains. Okay, it's so hot. Okay, because it's so cool, let me tell you about this right quick. See, this is one of my, like, mind-blowing facts here. So, HD133B. Um, it has about 5,000 mile an hour winds. The temperature is about 2,500 degrees. Um, and because of that, it actually rains molten glass. What? Wow. Wow. Saving there the best for last on that fun fact. There you, you get go. Your titan, you get your titanium umbrellas out, right? <laughs> but, but here's a few of my fun facts before I go. So uh, April showers bring May flowers. Uh, April is climatologically one of the driest months in the Charlotte area. There you go. Um, another one. Oh, hello. He knocked my camera over. Uh, another one I love to tell people is winds. that. 
Yes. <laughs> uh, the lightning bolt can be uh, five times hotter than the surface of the sun. That one's always a fun one. And that baseball-sized hell will fall at nearly 100 miles an hour, so as fast as a major league baseball pitcher can throw it at you. Wow. Cool. There you go. Those are my three. <laughs> All righty, guys. Wow. i got to head out because I've got two toddlers who uh, need some sleep. Well, thank you thank for you hopping Kenya. on. We appreciate so that. Much. It's good to see you as always. And uh, people can come see you in the museum in Gastonia if they want more of those fun facts. Yes. Shillmuseum.org. Uh, I run the planetarium. So if you uh, are loving weather and space, we do all this stuff. And then I'll go ahead and plug it. I know we're about to go to bed. July 23rd, we're going to do weatherproof. Uh, so oh. it's a day all about weather. So, uh, yes. You should be Put hearing that about that now. soon, and, and you guys will hear about it much sooner uh, here soon. <laughs> but yes, if you love weather, that's a day to come out. July 23rd. We heard Watch it here first. these guys here. Oh. So, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Candace. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back in a minute, 45 seconds, with our after party as we are celebrating episode 400 of the Carolina 400. Uh, and let you guys see what it is that I'm experiencing. Um, trying to get a direct measurement with a handheld uh, Kestrel anemometer here. We'll see what we can pick up, but uh, oh, and this, this thing's uh, changing. When a tornado worn cell came through the neighborhood and it brought down several large pines, just like the one you're seeing right here behind me. To give you a sense of what the aftermath of storm damage smells like, it smells very heavily of pine and also sounds like chainsaws. We have another tree down here. This one just barely missing this brick home. I mean, this is incredible. Let me turn the camera around. Gives back into kind of a dry view. And I get up here and all of a sudden storm surge started. And all of a sudden I ended up about four feet of water. I'm Scotty Powell here reporting just outside of Sparta, North Carolina, where you've seen a lot of the earthquake damage. Again, a 5.1 magnitude earthquake rocked Sparta, uh, North Carolina earlier this morning, just after 8 a.m. If you're gonna look at the footing of that, you'll see where the, it was a twist. Very severe wind to cause these structures. From Gaston County to back here in Mecklenburg County, those were just two of the tornado warnings that were issued here for the greater Charlotte area. I'm not one for hyperbole, but it's countless at this point. There's trees on houses. There's a lot of roads that are blocked. We're just trying to get cleaned up so people can get through. Have you ever seen the Dan River like this before? No, not that I can recall. I mean, I've seen it fairly flooded before, but I've never seen it to where it's where we're now kind of asking ourselves, okay, a couple more feet and it might uh, get over those bridges. <laughs> That's right. It was so good. I wanted to play it twice. <laughs> and we're back. This is the after party of the 400th episode of the Carolina Weather Group. We're so happy you were here. And uh, we're glad that Candace was able to come on and ask questions of us. And now we want to ask questions of each other, as Frank just suggested. I like that idea, but also take some of your viewer questions. I also, guys, and this is, again, super just casual, even more casual than our, like, Let's Talk Carolina weather series. So I know we just got all pumped up from that music. There is actually an add music functionality in Restream Studio that we've never used before. What are we feeling? Like, 
uh, lounge, hip hop, lo-fi, chill hop, ambient, future pop. What do you guys think? What, what should we check lo- out? Lo-fi. 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 Yeah. Lo-fi. Yeah. Okay. I should have saw that one coming. Let's see what this <laughs> sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Cool, very contemporary. That's a nice yeah. appeal. All right. There you go. Well, this is the after party of the 400th episode of the Carolina Weather Group. Uh, Ryan has a question. He's watching on Facebook Live. We didn't prompt this question, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Do you carry Carolina Weather Group merchandise? The answer to that question, Ryan, is not yet. And I would be very interested in the reaction from our audience on if that is something you all want. We don't even have it as folks who work on the show. And I know we're interested in doing it. There's a bit of a cost analysis associated with opening an online store, kind of, if you will. So uh, if we can see enough hands go up, I think we'd be very open to doing that. But Ryan did have another question, guys, that um, had nothing to do with uh, making money uh, here at the Carolina Weather Group. Uh, don't forget to super chat or click Patreon in the links. Uh, what are the different stations uh, have different weather forecasts? I think he's talking about TV stations. Um, Frank, I'll, I'll let you take this one. Uh, as a broadcast meteorologist for so many years, why do different broadcast stations have different weather forecasts? Do you mean like in the same market or? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Well, I would say that's because you have different sources for them, really. You have uh, different meteorologists. And, and just like with a doctor, you, you get a, a diagnosis. You may want to get a second opinion. Uh, you go to a broadcast meteorologist, they have one opinion. Uh, channel 4 might have a different opinion than Channel 13 uh, on how a storm or weather, other weather situation is going to shake out. So uh, it, it's not because there's one or, or the other is wrong. It's just that each one may have a slightly different opinion of, of how the weather is going to take place uh, or how the weather is going to happen. And it's not that there's nothing wrong with that at all. Uh, you know, viva la difference. Uh, but like for the same reason, like I said, if you go to a, another doctor for a second opinion, you might want to go to a, a meteorologist for a second opinion. Another meteorologist, if you have a critical event that, that is really important to you. Makes me think of that whole wedge CAD cold air damming conversation we were just having about whether or not you can trust your apps. And, you know, it all has to do with how everyone thinks the weather is going to play out. I mean, the analogy I always give is like you give you get multiple people in the car and everyone's going to have a different way of navigating there. Like I'm the worst backseat driver and uh, that's kind of, kind of how weather works. Um, uh, by the way, uh, Rob Fowler watching tonight, our 400th episode. So thank you very much, Rob, for those congratulatory messages and for sharing on uh, Twitter tonight. So if you're watching us for the first time, because you trust Rob and, Rob put out this tweet. Well, thank you very much uh, to Rob and to all of you who are joining us here for this 400th episode of a show about weather, science, technology, and more from the Carolinas and beyond. And again, guys, remember, 400 episodes, that's just of the weekly interview series that airs Wednesday nights. It doesn't count hours of live coverage or special spinoffs as you got a little bit of a snippet there in the last few minutes. Uh, Frank, I like the question you put in chat. Could you pose it to us? Absolutely. And uh, I'll even go first with the answer for my answer so that the rest of you have some time to think about what your answer is. But the question is, what is your biggest meteorological pet 
peeve? What annoys you most that happens in the weather business? For me, it's when someone calls a front a boundary. Fronts are not boundaries. They're zones. Now, sometimes the zone's really narrow, but there are very few discontinuities in the atmosphere. So that's what bugs me the most is, and it happens a lot when you hear people calling a front a boundary because it isn't really a boundary. I hate the news cliche that came without warning. Did it? Did it come without warning? Yeah, that's very, really annoying too, isn't it? Very yeah. infrequently did it, it come without a warning. Just because you didn't get the warning doesn't mean there wasn't a warning. Mine is, you can be wrong half the time and still get paid because the, the idea What do you mean is half? I'm it's more like 90% that were wrong and still get paid. Yeah, that's no, bad too. Frank. Oh, no, 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 no. Wait, are it's we just getting the opposite. paid? <laughs> it's just the opposite. If we if we had such right. low success rates, we would not get paid. That's the way it works. We put a lot of time into everything we do. And just because we're so wrong, 50, why do you 50, listen to us? Yeah, well, just because there's a 50% chance of rain, you have to understand that too. Um, it, it's, it's more like uh, there's so much anyways, there's just so much that goes into it. And some folks, they do it just for fun. Uh, but there are folks out there that truly believe, hey, you know, they can still be wrong 50% of the time and still get paid. So that's my pet peeve. That's all I got to say about it. I would just be happy to get paid to do this show since we're, we don't. Uh, all right. Who's next with a pet peeve? Yeah, I can go. So one of my biggest pet peeves is, and I'm going to be rather generic about this just because I know it's after, uh, kind of like after dark, but generic is better. When some entities put out snowfall forecasts far too early, way, way too far out from the system, uh, and it forces local meteorologists to take a stance on uh, snowfall totals when in all reality they don't have, uh, it's too soon to be making those forecasts. Uh, they're, they're all but skillless. Good Lord, Evan, you nailed it. The single I've run, got... deterministic runs, those those put us all in a bad position because now the expectation is way up here mm -hmm. and we have to wish cast it or else they'll say he doesn't know what he's talking about. And it's not just randos on Twitter and Facebook. I mean, this is this is an issue that I think we see in the weather enterprise. Um, I, I know we see in the weather enterprise and it's, it's challenging for locals. Uh, it's also challenging for national corporations. You know, when do you pull the trigger on making that forecast? It's, it's not an easy decision. Uh, when you're trying to be generic um, but there's we can we can make up some ground there we can do better scotty i think i interrupted I was, you sorry i know I, I was gonna agree with you evan that that's my biggest pet peeve so i won't take yours i'm gonna piggyback off a little bit and i've i've started seeing this the last couple of years here in north carolina a few outlets and i guess there's really nothing wrong with it but i still think it's a little little attention getting is they're starting to throw out 15 day snow probabilities. And uh, we know there's so much that can change within three days, let alone 10 or 15 days. And so everybody sees, you know, March 3rd's got a 52% chance of snow. And uh, yeah, I know we're using ensembles, but March 4th or 3rd or whatever is still two weeks away. There's a lot that can change, but they see that 52% and they're all hysteric. Oh, you know, big snowstorm's coming. So we also have to put the fire out on, on that as well. So um, that that's going to be my, I'm going to kind of piggyback off Evan. And, and I know we use ensembles a lot, but we still don't need to throw out there that 52% of them are saying it's going to snow 15 days from now. That's not necessary. Jared That's and Jay, can you imagine uh, doing that in South Carolina 
every single day. Nope, zero chance of snow. Day 10, 12, 13, 14, yeah, the next day. Oh, zero chance of snow for days 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, and the next day after that, over and over again. Mm -hmm. <laughs> A 1% chance of snow would be really hyping it up. Mm -hmm. It would be. No, absolutely. I think, you know, I think for me, it is um, when people get mad when the severe weather event did not destroy their house. Ooh, I, when people, tricky. when people, you know, you forecast a severe weather event and, 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 and understanding that these are kind of, you know, isolated incidents in, in most cases. It's very rare that you have a, a, a widespread event, but, you know, the probabilities are there and, you know, and some people could see that, especially when some people do see it and they call your forecast a bust. They say you're overhyping it. You're overhyping it. It's like, well, I don't know. I mean, 30 miles away. I don't think they thought we were overhyping it. Um that that one grinds my gears and and to piggyback off of that is why are you interrupting my show for a tornado warning gosh darn it i want to watch wheel of fortune and and it's like well hey like okay wheel of fortune is not life or death the the tornado barreling in on a location is spoiler alert we have a show coming okay. up about new technology mm -hmm. that's supposed to help with this problem I want to I want to piggyback off of you, Jared, because the also the conception uh, the the concept that all damage and wind is tornado related. Like, mm -hmm. no straight line damage and wind can do just as much, if not more, damage than a tornado. So people will argue, literally yep. argue with you. Mm -hmm. It was a tornado here, and it's like, mm -hmm. no, it was, it was just a downburst or it's much more or common. whatever. You know, I mean, yeah, and and people really get aggravated when when. There's not a tornado there, you know. I don't know. Maybe you win a, a gold medal or something for for going through that. But um, yeah, I want to piggyback off that too. Yeah, no, right, you're right. Here's here's my question. And actually, can I change the music up just to like jazz it up a little bit here? Let's see. Um, I was just going to send a message about how much I was digging this lo-fi. Okay, fine. I won't touch <laughs> you're it. Good, you're good. You're good. Fine. Yeah, might, I, as well, might as well flip that to Rage Against the Machine. Uh, 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 let's see. Let's see. Um, I don't have anything that fits that. But here's what's this? Future, I think I'm just digging music pop? in general. This is nice. Yeah. If you're in the comments, let us know what you want to kind of what you want to hear. All right. I'll leave this for a second. I'll let it play out. Earliest weather memory. And I'm having a hard time discerning the exact one, but I'm thinking back to elementary school. I'm thinking like tornado drills. But we did have some sort of tropical system in third grade that I think intrigued me greatly and i want to say and this may be a false memory but we came really close to the eye wall of whatever this system was i want to say somebody google like tropical storm cindy or something and i remember that was really fascinating that was the first time i think i learned that there was this calmness in the center of a storm and whether it came directly over us or not i think that was eye opening pun intended for me. So I'm going to say tropical, even though I have many, many memories living on Long Island, waking up to busted snowfalls because of warm air coming in off the ocean. So, all right, guys, uh, Jared, what's your earliest weather memory? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, <clears throat> moving out to South Carolina from the West where thunderstorms rarely, if ever happen and hearing a crack of thunder and, um, I was back on the changing table very quickly. Um, I think that's. Uh, I think that really that that about sums it up. Um, that and Hurricane Hugo. Now I wasn't here for Hugo. We were in Pennsylvania, but we were running out our house uh, here in 1989 and uh, watching that on the Weather Channel, watching John Hope, watching those guys, um, 
uh, broadcast that. And, and that, you know, and again, what the Weather Channel was doing then was still very new and um, somewhat, you know, and somewhat groundbreaking at that point. We take it for granted now, but then that was not, you know, the kind of hurricane coverage was not. I think so. I remember being glued to that. And, you know, and from there. So putting that genie back in the bottle. Scotty? So mine was um, uh, the blizzard of 93. I think I was three years old. And the reason I remember this was my aunt lived in Nashville, Tennessee. We were driving back home and uh, started to snow. My dad, he's a great driver, he asked the highway patrol, hey, is, is the gorge passable? You know, and he said it was open. So we got to the North Carolina line and Interstate 40 was shut down. So had to sleep in a vehicle overnight through oh. the blizzard of 93 with all oh, that wow. snow and i just remember as a little kid you know sleeping in a car overnight with snow and you'd crank the car every 15 20 minutes to stay warm and um that was that i don't know that that's just the earliest memory that uh, that i remember frank yeah. my earliest weather memory y'all gonna love this one I was at Carowinds. I was probably three. And I, well, I was definitely three because I remember a lady asking me how old I was and I went. Like every good three year old. <laughs> and we were going to ride, it was, we were actually going to ride the log flume. And the reason why is because it was about a hundred degrees that day. It was so hot. We were at Carowinds. And so that would be my earliest weather memory is the heat wave of some sometime in 75 i guess because that's when i would have been three and uh going to carowinds and riding the log flume over and over and over again <laughs> shay oh hurricane david 1979 um i was seven years old and was fascinated by weather i know my my dad was he was a meteorologist in the air force uh, he was just out of the Air Force and beginning his law firm in Charleston, but he was still very much active with the Air Force here. And he, I remember him taking me to the base and um, showing me some cool stuff. It was really neat. But just watching how, hearing about it, all the destruction down in the Dominican Republic and, and like you're just the buildup of it all and everyone's scared and you see people boarding up windows and uh, it was pretty eventful. I mean, it ended up. It did, it did some pretty good damage around the Charleston area. Nothing like Hugo, and I, and I was here for that, Jared, too. So I've mm -hmm. seen some massive destruction from a major hurricane like that. But David's what got me in my earliest age, what really glued me, that and the ice storm the year before that. So I think um, Hurricane David pretty much did it. Evan? Yeah, mine's kind of secondhand. Uh, so I was only five when Katrina hit uh, just 15 years ago, 16 years ago, do the math. I'm pretty young. Um, I definitely remember while, while I was living in Charlotte at the time, there were folks from New Orleans that came up and stayed at the hmm. Bojangles Coliseum, I want to say, in Charlotte. And they may be getting the Coliseum wrong. That um, sounds right. Anyways, mm -hmm. What's that? That sounds right. Yeah, yeah. Stayed somewhere in downtown Charlotte. And I can remember as a five-year-old going with my mom and kind of knowing a little bit about what was going on and, and why they were there. Uh, and giving away my favorite toy. And it was, I mean, to this day, I, I'm still a little scarred by that. I, I, I know it's a good thing to give away the toys to the kids who didn't have a home anymore, but I was hurt. Um, and it was, it was just so such a weird situation as a five-year-old to be like, yeah, these people have lost everything and they're hundreds of miles from home. Uh, I just, I, at the time I didn't fully understand that. Um, but 
Anyways, giving yeah. up a toy is one of the biggest things a child can do. No, I'm a sacrifice. Shay has a question, but first I gotta say, Shay, what type of music does your question warrant? Oh, uh, James, you you do whatever, whatever you. All right, try. you ask the question, and then I'll match you. Um, gosh, I had the question, and now. <laughs> now do you want me to ask um, one more? Go, yeah, go for it. Let me let me think back on that because it was. Scotty, just, Scotty, I'm going to steal your question. Are you ready? Okay. Yeah, I'm ready. What is your weather journey? Oh, my weather journey. Scotty's <laughs> first question to every first-time guest. Oh, Scotty, why don't do I have to go that? first? You don't, don't know, know the answer to this? I mean, I feel like my weather journey, we, we've talked about it. Obviously, it was Eric Thomas. Uh, getting hooked up with Eric Thomas at an early age. Uh, really being interested in weather. Uh, my grandpa... Uh, and I would always uh, talk about the weather. Um, they lived in a mobile home, and uh, every uh, time that there was a tropical system or something like that that would be moving in, you know, I always liked spending time with my grandpa. So we'd always tell him, "Hey, the wind's gonna get bad. You need you need to come, you know, stay in the house. We, we've got better structure or whatever." But um, so we'd always talk about that, and then meeting Eric Thomas um, really kind of pushed me into. Uh, wanting to do this and then just um, pursuing it um, throughout college. Um, my degree is in um, education, um, science education, which uh, I haven't told anybody, but I got accepted to Penn State to finish out my weather certificate program. So uh, starting that off in the fall. So I got four, yeah, four classes, classes left to uh, to get that Yay. done. And awesome. um, yeah, we so, tonight. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, we're getting on some things behind the scenes, but uh, you know, I do a lot of forecasting for uh, for the Charlotte Motor Speedway, Bristol Motor Speedway. I really enjoy that because I love sports and I love weather. And uh, just um, I've helped out with emergency management here in Western North Carolina with flooding and winter storms. And so, um, yeah, that's that's kind of the weather story. So my goal to really push me into that certification is to to get on tv so we'll see how that goes in the next year or so but uh yeah so that's my weather journey i want to toss it to evan because uh evan what's your weather journey yeah so i'm not a, a one storm guy uh, growing up in the charlotte area i started to take an interest uh, in the weather around second grade we had some the part of Charlotte I lived in was local, a little bit of a tornado alley there in the, the 2000s. Uh, so I can remember a couple of times seeing tornadoes and being intrigued. Uh, so that passion and interest was that the seed had been planted by the time I was in the fourth grade. And Larry Sprinkle, if you're in the Charlotte area, you know Larry Sprinkle. Larry Sprinkle was supposed to come to my school and give us a weather talk. Uh, and then that day, that morning, my teacher was killed in a car wreck on the way there. And I never got to meet Larry Sprinkle. And that passion still it was there but it never fully accelerated uh, and then in the seventh grade i had a teacher who really pushed me she could tell that i liked it and she pushed me for it and i decided that it was something i was interested in pursuing so i started looking at weather models every day and from there it just snowballed downhill and finally kind of this was well maybe for no one else but me but it was a, a moment of uh, just completion when I got to meet larry sprinkle in person uh, at the hurricane hunters day uh, i was I mean, 19 years old, I guess, um, with, with Scotty and uh, James was there as well, I believe. Um, and Jared, I, I can't remember who all was there. I wasn't there. But Jared wasn't I there. I wasn't there either. Yeah, no, <laughs> I was there. But Larry was there. And it, was it, it was Chris. It was Chris. It was Chris. Um, but getting to meet Larry and 
it makes so much sense now because when when Evan was talking to Larry, like Evan had a big <laughs> smile, and I was like, I really didn't know the backstory until right now. That's yeah. Really so cool. it was cool telling Larry that story. He actually remembered that class or that 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 day, um, and it, I don't know. It was it was neat to come full circle, and um, nowadays here I am. It just keeps snowballing downhill. I, I love this this job. Uh, I love being here with y'all, and look forward to a career. Oh, it's quite, quite memorable. Well, it sounds like I don't have to call Larry to try to meet you now. It sounds like you've already done that. So, yeah. <laughs> shrug. Uh, Shay. Oh, weather journey, boy. Um, you know, we we're just you know, discussing earlier about Hurricane David and an ice storm in '78 or '77. David in '79, um, and then you know, my dad teaching me a lot of things when I was a kid. A lot of like intermediate things um, and then taking that forward in science projects going all the way through elementary middle school um, I wasn't really that drawn to math I could do the math at that time I mean by the time you get up to high school my interest changed but my heart stayed with weather and I kept doing it I kept watching I mean I was glued to the weather channel back then right I mean that's all I did I would sit there and play my guitar the little licks with the local on the eights and they'd have these little blues riffs or whatever and i would just sit there and my friends just thought i was great but i was glued to the weather all the time and uh and i was constantly looking at whatever data i could find and and uh, sticking to it and so right about 2009 rolled around i got interested in kiteboarding in the charleston area and um i knew a thing or two about sea breeze structure in the area um, I realized there was some sensors and, and I was like, oh, wow, there's actually some data, you know, that one of the piers at Alphonse Pier and then Fort Sumter Front Range Light that came about a year later. But um, so I started doing some forecasting. That's when Facebook kind of started doing their groups and, and I you know, created a group um, and drew started to draw interest from the local community, not just kiteboarding, but all of a sudden people were coming there because they wanted to see the forecast I was putting out. Um, Weatherflow is a, is a company that scouted me. Uh, someone talked to them and then they came and, and joined the group and they scouted me out and then uh, met with me probably a month or two later and asked me to be the lead in the Southeast region for wind forecasting. So I've been with them since 2012 um, doing operational wind forecasting for them and also doing uh, all kinds of really cool projects, outreach projects, new weather station, peer reviews on research. So I've, you know, even without going to school. My degree was actually at College of Charleston, that's my alma mater, um, in Spanish and, and minor in German. Um, I kept then the meteorology. Sky, this was a topic that came up on Twitter recently with, you know, do you have to be degree to be a meteorologist? Well, I didn't accept the term, even though Weatherfoot called me one, um, for about at least six years or so, when I, after being in the field and being peer reviewed. Um, I think I finally felt comfortable with that title. And other people were already kind of calling me that as well but it's something that I, I feel like I was dubbed or inherited rather than went to school and got the degree for it so um, it's one of those things I've really just been doing it my whole life and now I'm just in the profession of doing it so um, that's that it's my weather journey so uh, it's really interesting you know I've learned a lot of the math in the last geez 10 years you know Evan you're going through it now you're on the back end but I mean I probably haven't taken some of the things you have but um, there's a lot that, that goes into some of the, some of the research that we do at Weatherflow, which really is some some good math there. So, um, yeah, that's it. So next, Frank. 
Well, I told uh, some of the uh, details, I guess, when uh, Candace asked a question earlier, but uh, I'll go into greater detail now. Um, I'm like Evan. It wasn't just one storm that got me. It actually was uh, a, another event. Um, when I was uh, a little kid, I actually wanted to be um, uh, well, the word has suddenly escaped my mind. Astronaut. That's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> Tell I'm getting old, huh? <laughs> anyway, when I was real little, I wanted to be an astronaut, and I, I used to used to play with my grandfather. He was he was Shorty Powers, the old uh, uh, NASA PR guy, and telling telling me of all the fun things I did in space. So that's an early early memory of that other career that I didn't do. Uh, but I do remember a bunch of, of fun storms when I was a kid, like the uh, March 24th of '83 snowstorm, which put down. 10 inches. This was the fourth day of spring that year, and it put down 10 inches of snow in Rock Hill. Uh, so uh, that that I, I remember snowstorms fun, and I was interested in the weather, but really uh, sent the weather bug to bite me was actually doing some a weather module in our science class when I was in fifth grade. Uh, that is what really got me interested in the weather. And I uh, thank uh, Miss Lynn Hamilton, my teacher from fifth grade, for doing that uh, because it, it set me on the path and developed a, a passion in the weather that would not be denied. And uh, my weather journey, it, it, there, there were a lot of, uh, of dips and, and bends and turns uh, because uh, I, I had to get through high school first uh, and, and then get into college. And Right out of high school, I, I I met a lady and started a, a young lady met a, started a family with her when I was in uh, in uh, right out of high school almost, and so that's one detour I had to take was was doing that and and trying to study something else that I didn't really have the passion for. Um, didn't even for example didn't even get through uh, the the uh, thermodynamics class in engineering that I was trying to do at USC here in Columbia in the early 90s just just didn't have the passion for it but uh, I, I did have the passion for weather and i always wanted to do that and finally uh my family just said okay what is it going to take to get you to do something you enjoy and i'm like, like well i've always wanted to be a meteorologist so is there a, is there a path we can find to get me to do that and my mom and dad were sort of instrumental in, in steering me toward that and finding a good option, which was UNC Asheville, uh, an out-of-state school that was, at the time, very reasonably priced, uh, about the cheapest out-of-state schools you could find. And then it was even cheaper in-state, of course, and I ended up deciding to take one more year away from school and, and establish residency in North Carolina so that I could qualify for those lower rates. So uh, then I went on to UNC Asheville and, and did great. I made an A in thermodynamics taught by a meteorology professor, uh, Dr. Heimbach, who was uh, probably the most awesome professor that UNC Asheville's ever had. Him and, and Brotac were both uh, outstanding professors. And I don't, don't want to discount the other, the other two, Quinlan and uh, Alex Wong, who recently retired from UNC Asheville. They were all, they were all great too, but I'm not sure I would have been as successful in meteorology school anywhere else the way I was at UNC Asheville because those professors, they were all really good and they all uh, took a great interest in, in what each individual student, and they could do that because it was a small school. We graduated, I think, 18 in 99 when I graduated and, and uh, that was the largest graduating class they had at the time. 
Um, so anyway, from there, again, uh, many years up at, uh, in uh, Asheville, I mean, up in uh, State College, PA, working working for AccuWeather. I don't want to gloss over that because there was a lot of uh, learning up there, too, from some greats like uh, Bob Spurbeck. I, I'm glad I can consider him a friend. Uh, Dan Kutlowski, who's recently retired from, uh, from AccuWeather, and uh, many other people like Elliot Abrams and Dr. Joe Sobel, who, uh, who I learned a lot from and uh, were very helpful in, in helping me continue my career and even though I got downsized out of there I'm uh, I still have fond memories of, of being there and uh, again thrilled to be back home in South Carolina and uh, serving South Carolina's people at uh, state climatology office the thing I like most about your story Frank is the impact that all the teachers had uh, as they do on so many kids and young people that all those names stuck with you Jared oh man so I mean I I alluded to this earlier, you know, California boy where there is no weather moving out to a place that did have weather. And it's like, okay, that immediately is interesting. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and, and the, the weather channel had a lot to do with that. You know, if, if I, I would struggle to find anybody my age, uh, who's in the, who's in this, uh, in, in this line of work or, um, just interest in general who did not have the weather channel on all the time. Um, I too enjoyed the local on the eights music. We've got a little, uh, panelist playlist from last summer that talks all about that. You should go back and find that on the Carolina weather group feed. It's quite Those a lot of fun. fun. Yeah, that was fun. Um, and, and, you know, I mean, it was just, and, 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 and not only did I absorb the weather stuff, but I also, uh, I also got, I mean, geography, got really good at geography because I, they were covering the whole country. So I got to learn a lot about that too. But, um, Highlight of that young uh, of that young time was in fifth grade. I uh, we uh, we launched a, a a television network at my at my elementary school, and uh, I had a huge laminated map of the southeast behind me, and I draw on the lows and the highs and the front drops, and I'd go up there and I'd do the whole thing with that. I could at least see what I was doing. It was not really a green screen thing, but um, uh, but that was super fun. I hope that there is still some footage of that out there maybe that'll leak at some point uh later there um so you know so that's um you know so that that was that was cool and then i took a little break uh, got into the computer side of things uh, you know and programming just doing random stuff and that lasted through about high school and then about 2004 2005 um it, it, the weather bug got reawakened when hurricane gaston came through uh spun up right off the coast and flooded my car. Oh. And uh, I and I was living in downtown Charleston at the time. In fact, on the street that Evan lived on when he was <laughs> in Charleston. Oh, it floods and, a lot. Yeah. And it floods a lot. Yeah. It did, but it didn't flood as much back then. And so, and so that was a that was a surprising thing for me. And um, I was on the phone with them, and, and and you know, and I had known you know I had known weather. I mean, that was a, the thing that it is. So I told the so I called the radio station, and they. It's like they were asking, "Hey, what's going on?" And it's like, "Okay, well, we've got here's what we've got. We've got a, uh, we've got a, uh, you know, we got the, p- the people across the street, um, you know, uh, floating a bunch of kegs in the in, in the water there. We got a lot of flood water out here, so there's a bunch of kegs there. And then I started telling them, "Well, it looks like the winds have come out of the west, so it looks like you know it's starting to move north and out of here." And they were like, "Oh wow, he went from a party animal to a meteorologist." Um, and then um, then they started asking everybody. How many kegs do you have in your flood water? And then you heard six beeps, and they were like, "Well, that's it," and they were off the air. 
because they ran out of generator uh, generator power. So that was so that was kind of and that kind of reawakened the whole thing. And um, Jared's been tweeting ever since. Yeah, well, yeah, and then and then in in, in two thousand seven, I started. Um, I got Gibson Ridge, and you know, and I've been messing with Weather Underground. I'd you know run personal weather stations and stuff, and that was a lot of fun. Got the Gibson Gibson Ridge radar. Really started to dig into radar. Uh, I was really just fascinated by that and 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 all the things that you could do there. And um, and and yeah, I mean, and, and that was you know, and that kind of blew up. It was like you know, GR kind of looked like TV. So I would go on, I would go on. Um, back then, it was UStream. Or you know, you stream or blog.tv, and I would go on and I would narrate the radar while people were chatting to me. Sound familiar? Um, doing yes. that in 07, and it was very slow. So, to, so, so suffice to say, um, from there, a Twitter account followed of uh, the at chswx uh, Twitter account, and uh, I just did that for fun. I was just doing that for you know some friends of mine. It's like, hey, and. You know, the, the idea was is that you know I take my BlackBerry and when when Weather Underground pushed me a text message that saying there was a warning, I put the warning out on Twitter and it was a, I was I was the bot, I was the human bot. Uh, and then one day people found it and started telling me what was going on. And it's like, oh no, I guess I'm committed. And 13 years later, yeah. uh, still here and uh and uh, still a human bot still it was still a human bot it was a little bit more uh software help but but uh gotten to make you know gotten to meet some great people gotten to you know interact with all the guys you know much like shay you know the rob fowlers and, and bill walsh's of the world um you know it really all the tv mets uh here you know gotten to you know gotten to meet and greet with them and that was that's been fun spent some time uh you know uh, learn about some stuff at the weather service and um actually running the weather services software which has been quite a quite a quite a trip to say the least so you know being able to to meld those two passions together really has uh, worked out nicely and i met these guys i mean they're pretty cool i think i i think um i think we'll keep them so okay uh, uh so yeah i mean that's it that's in that's it in a nutshell there's tons more but you know we've got to get out of here at some point yeah i'm coming up in 90 minutes i'm gonna i got three minutes um (laughs) real briefly my weather journey my weather career my career in general probably gets traced back to an ice storm happened in long island when i was in high school convinced my mom to let me put off my homework and she was my photographer and i recorded it onto a cassette tape and then i uploaded it to cnn i report this was like at the cutting edge of user generated content and then went to school the next day and got called down to the principal's office thinking I was in trouble or something horrible had happened. But apparently they had been playing my tape on TV and I had to sign some release forms and, and the such. And everything kind of pegs off of that because that built a relationship into an internship, which introduced me to the school where I met my wife, where I got my first job, so on and so forth. So if you were to trace all of the uh, decision trees of my life, I think a lot comes off of that. Uh, Well, that is episode 400 of the Carolina Weather Group. Uh, It seems like we have uh, at least three votes here between Ryan on Facebook and Michael on YouTube and our friend Andrew also on Facebook tonight that we at least apparently got to do some Carolina Weather Groupie shirts or something for our super fans. So uh, Carolina Weather Groupie, I am on it. He's on it. So Jared Smith's going to work that up. And <laughs> that will maybe be the takeaway from episode 400. Are you so- saying that you're going to be the Carolina weather groupie? <laughs> oh, no, no. We're making sure, all bro. <laughs> all, all of us. So uh, special shout out to all the people who have laid the path for this show. Uh, Scotty Powell, I think you reign as the surviving co-founder, but 
You know, I think of Ricky Matthews and everyone else who has um, put their impact on on what this show has become over the past. I don't, I don't know how even many know. years. I think you said 2013. I want I want to say 14? late 2013, like December 2013. Yeah, that's almost 10 years, y'all. <laughs> almost very long well if you're new here welcome uh we're here every wednesday night talking science weather technology and more from the carolinas typically with newsmakers this week we turned it around to ourselves but don't worry that's not usually how this goes if you want to learn more about some of the shows we mentioned in tonight's broadcast you can find them at the carolina weather group on youtube we hope you will check that out. Or if you can't decide, just put on the Carolina WeatherNet. It streams for free every day with live weather conditions and the best of the Carolina Weather Group. Well, on behalf of everybody here, with special thanks to Candace, I'm James Briarton in Charlotte. We will see you back next week for more from the Carolina Weather Group. Good night. <laughs>